0: When Rose was recovering from childbirth, he wrote her a series of hysterical and filthy little poems just to cheer her up and make her laugh. Oh. And this one is, There once was a young lady named Rose, Who filled not one palm but twelve poes, With piss, sweat, and cum, thick slime from her bum, And snot from her bloody old nose oh isn't that sweet that was gonna cheer her up can't you just picture holding (laughs) little alistair jr and being like oh you minx oh (laughs) say it again everybody Welcome to Hilf! History I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, And it's good to have you in the den. That's the Deluxe Edition Network. To find more great podcasts in the den, click the link in our show notes or go to deluxeEditionnetwork.com. Now our Hilf today is Alistair Crowley and he sucks! And I'm so glad that I'm doing this episode because after weeks of research, I can finally stop thinking about this prick. Now, historically, he is a big deal. All right, no doubt about that. He is an icon of culture, a disruptor, a poet, an adventurer. I mean, in, in many ways, just my type. But Crowley... Is a dark figure, a sadomasochistic cult leader, and the inspiration to scores of other cult leaders from L. Ron Hubbard to Charles Manson. Now, just as intriguing, but so much more likable, <laughs> is my guest, Hyla Johnson. She is a beloved chef with a cooking show on YouTube, appearances on the Food Channel, Travel Channel, and several published cookbooks. And now, She joins me at my kitchen table. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Pull up a chair and let's get started. I'm glad you don't think I'm a weird pervert no well you know there's time yeah
1: we've I just mean, begun who isn't a pervert sometimes
0: yeah I think the only people who are perverts are the people who just start with like I am not a pervert let me start by saying I'm not a pervert I'm always like okay all right all right get out the Vaseline I don't want to one. look
1: at your computer uh-huh
0: right I am not staring at your nipples
1: thanks <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last time that we like work together i was at your house that's right and i was on your show Mm -hmm. and it was so much fun it was like was it three years ago four years ago i
1: think yeah it was like right before pandemic it was right before
0: everything hit the fucking fan
1: so yeah we did um a beer cheese soup and you talked about your hero george washington it
0: was awesome i have links to it It was People super fun. Are like wait what yeah yeah if you want to get and the beer cheese soup was fucking delicious fucking delicious wow
1: i don't even think i would ever had that before was
0: it your recipe no you were like i want to have you on the cooking show it'd be fun and you have great cool guests always on your on your show I do and like i was having like "Well," cool. and you said what you do is you suggest what you want to eat what you want me to make and i was like oh beer, cheese, soup, man, that's my people's. <laughs> we take, we get it intravenously if we're, if we're failing, you know? And you were like, mm-hmm, "Mm-hmm, I can do that. And boy, howdy did you. And then in between, like while you were mixing ingredients, I told the story of George Washington crossing the Delaware
1: and how you want to boat him. Still do. I know. <laughs> I'm like, Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's,
0: I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it. it's a long shot.
1: Yeah, I know that. I mean, if Aleister Crowley were still alive, he could probably bring him back from the dead. Yeah.
0: I mean, if there's anything I'm going to ask Aleister Crowley to do for me ever, I'd be like, get out of here, you weird perfect." Actually, hang on one quick second. Do you have the ability to bring back any founding father? Okay, then get the fuck off my yard.
1: <laughs> That's how you get pulled into the darkness, Hila. I know. I suggested this guy because I, you know, like every normal person, I'm very interested in the occult and occultism and occultists. Yeah. And I'd heard of him and I was like, well, let's, what about that guy? And then I like just did some very cursory cause I wanted to be mostly surprised. But I, and I was like, oh my God, this person's horrible. What did I do? <laughs> oh girl, <laughs> literally this mirrors exactly what happened to me because
0: so Hyla and I recently reconnected. We hadn't seen each other in forever. We're catching up as we do. And the podcast comes up and I, will you be my guest? Know that if you talk to me for long enough, I'm going to rope you into being on the show. And um, what's your health? She said, Aleister Crowley. And I thought, oh, yeah. I have like two or three things I kind of know about this guy, I think. Generally just Satanist, kind of famous Satanist, I yeah. think. Kind of a cult leader guy. Yeah, that's a big, dark, interesting, twisted. And then I got this book, girl. <gasps> Look at this fucking thing. mean, she's scared. My friend Hyla just went, whoa, like I'm going to oh beat her to death God. with this thing. Which I could. I'm not going to. But I could it's beat a, you to death with it. It is a big it. book. And when I choose my sources for my history... I'm not going to say that I look for the short cause I read at least one book for every episode. So I do keep an eye on page length just cause ladies got to keep a schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And every now and again though, I just drop my head and go, fuck, I got to get the 500 page thorough treatment of like overview. And I got to read the goddamn thing, which I did. And if I sound pissed off, I am because this guy fucking sucks. Now, is he intriguing? Yeah. Was it a page turner? Fuck yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the problem. See, that's what you said. It's like, we hate these guys. We hate these occultists. I don't really want to fuck him. But this is where we get the history channel channel turns into the Hitler channel. This is where really nice, decent, scared Christian people spend all day watching murder, murder documentaries and listening to murder, murder podcasts
1: because uh, I can't help it. Well, and that's why every single news headline is terrible, terrible, murder, murder. Everyone thinks going to hell. Totally.
0: And we're all it's the it's the media version of this tastes bad. Try it. Mm-hmm. You know, where we just can't we don't know why. We're like, this is
1: repulsive gimme. Yeah, I want everyone I know to try it. Exactly.
0: And it's not right. It is certainly human and it's been going on forever. And so Is this you
1: know. the nastiest bastard you've ever hilfed?
0: Thank you for asking. Uh yeah. It's the well, wow. I don't know if I would say, yeah, he's the nastiest bastard I've ever hilfed. And I will say this, he's the first hilf I don't like. Wow. I have found this is how I got through college. <laughs> This is going to give you a certain insight into me. (laughs) You may have noticed Dawn is passionate. Dawn Mm. loves loves deeply. I give a shit I and I make noises when I love stuff. And if I'm not captivated by something it's very quickly for me to just kind of move on. Mm -hmm. Right? So sometimes if something's really important I will kind of force myself to try to love it. Get to trick yourself. Let's trick myself into being like, yeah. And one of the things I did, this is not healthy. I do not recommend this, is I would try to develop a crush on all of my professors. Regardless of age, gender, I would try to find something about the professor that I was like, oh, so that I would go to class and then Mm -hmm. give a fuck about Mm -hmm. how they felt about how I was doing. Mm Because I was already like, I don't think this is worth my time. But I'll do it because... You uh-huh. wore those jeans yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> it's, again, This is great. This is what we do. And something like that happens with Hilf, you know? I get like, ooh, I'm going to jump. I'm going to research. And I'm going to... I'm not going to be unbiased i'm gonna be biased towards love it because my guest assigned it for a reason they probably love it or if they don't love it i'm gonna to try to convert them into like girl once you know more then you'll love it alistair crowley fuck <laughs> i started with like give it to me alistair crowley you dirty little satanist you bald little disruptor you weird li-. and then every page i was like you are a shallow selfish inconsistent you know, abandoning people that... You're just a like, slimy little fuck who desert,
1: doesn't deserve it. So, hmm. Do you want to pick someone else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, read, I, read I read this goddamn... Are you kidding me?
0: Book. Fuck no. We're fucking um, this guy. You're kidding me? This is the first time. We're going to hold Aleister Crowley down. Let me tell you what, you're, what we're going to do. All right. We're going to fuck Alistair Crowley. Okay. So hard. Mm-hmm. And with such unrelenting, unforgiving... Fury? Fury. Okay. That maybe we will render him here with us that would be so Should unnerving we, a Ouija board i don't know help? what's about to happen this is like we're a little sober for this I'm you know 100%. what i
1: had a very i'm not gonna go into it but i just saying i had a very fucked up dream last night that in that when i woke up i felt like someone like a spirit was sitting on my chest oh shit oh my
0: god oh don't we're gonna what, fa- if, what if we fall oh my this? god What if we get to the end of this and we're carving his name into our tits and
1: stuff? Oh, my God. You know what? Hide the razor blades. Buckle up, everybody.
0: I will tell you this. I started with he's a prick. He's an unlikable prick, and he is. People who knew him in his tangible mortal life agreed, couldn't agree more, and were also intrigued by him. You know what hmm. I mean? It wasn't like these figures where he was deluding. People generally thought he was very loved. And then after his death, it was like, oh my God, he was like this total monster. Yeah. He was very open
1: <laughs> about was his
0: fuckery. Like he was
1: called like the most throughout. evil man in the world. The like, wick- Yep.
0: The wickedest man in the yeah. world. The beast, 666. I mean, yeah. So as I go through what a cunt he is, know that I am also going to give occasionally a very objective eye for why he is also beloved. I can do that. Okay. Okay. Um, before we move on though, to our buddy, Alistair, I want to fuck, um, you for just a hot minute because I, sec. um, I didn't read a 500 page book girl, but I did go to your website <laughs> oh and I have some questions you've written four cookbooks or am I missing some? Because I've seen that you are credited for other cooking publications, but I'm not sure if they, they are uh,
1: books. Uh, yeah. So, um, Chris and I published ourselves. Uh, one, two, three, four cookbooks. And then after that, I got um, a publisher reached out to me to ask if I wanted to write a cookbook about Texas cooking since I'm from Texas. And mm-hmm. uh, and I did. And it was actually like the fucking easiest job in the world because they yeah. were like, you can use recipes that you already have on your website. And all we need is like new head notes and just Ooh. make it cute. Write an intro. There's some Copy so, and
0: paste. Yeah.
1: Check. Basically. Yeah. Good for yeah, you. Yeah. It was. Nice. And that
0: one is called. Let's see. We have learned to cook. Was that the first one?
1: Yeah, that's the one I wrote like in the evenings after I got home from my day job when oh. Chris and I first started the cooking show. Oh,
0: I love this. And then were you wearing your we, little apron?
1: Uh, I was probably wearing scrubs because I was Cute. working at a dental office. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I uh yeah and then Chris so we put it up for sale and we sold it as a PDF first because it, it was expensive to self-publish an actual print-on-demand book and also that was that would have been like the 2010s and Mm -hmm. pdf books were like new and Mm -hmm. a thing and we were like okay we need to make enough money to buy ourselves a new computer so we can edit faster and we made exactly twenty five hundred dollars which we spent on a new computer and we're like we should have should have dreamed a could, little bigger. If we would have made $2,600, <laughs> we could have gone out for a nice
0: dinner. dinner. Do of a – next time, baby. Should next time.
1: Add, add yeah. a couple more zeros on that. But anyway, um, so, yeah. So that was kind of – but it just – it was very validating that, like, yeah. you know, you can sometimes just put an idea out into the universe and then it, it comes true.
0: Amazing. And multiplies because then you yeah. did the breakfast taco book. Mm-hmm. Which, little local texas cookbook. So yeah, that's,
1: that's the the published one. It has some cute little like watercolor illustrations which I did not do, but they're very oh, sweet.
0: Cute. And then what's cave lady cooking?
1: That uh, was when like paleo was really big. Yeah. Look at you trending, girl. I Get know. it. Get your money. Um so yeah, I don't even know if that one if you can like find that one anymore. So if mm-hmm. you have a copy of it, it's probably worth at least $5 to someone. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Among the things I love about you is that you just you're very accomplished and you do it all. You feel very fearless, you feel you have this very calming energy about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And that one of my favorite things is like I've sat down next to you in a various environments, often sometimes chaos. People, there's chaos around us. We're busy restaurant. Everyone's trying to order. People are bumping around. And I'm always sort of like feel this just like, mm. I'll be like, hi, Hilah. Mm. It's like, oh, Don, how are you? And it's just sort of like, oh, it was terrible getting here. You know, I'm, I was just about losing my mind. And it's like, that's such cool still waters, man.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. That's like the best compliment I've had today.
0: All right. At least I did mention how great your nipples were too.
1: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, stop. I mean, I'll keep track of all my compliments for you. If you leave track of I'll like, write write you a list.
1: Like... <laughs> I'll keep a list for you. You can take it home and refer to it.
0: Uh, well, let's bring your flawless nipples and all of my research mm-hmm. and commence the fucking of this bastard, okay, Alistair Crowley. Do you feel thoroughly lubricated? My,
1: my titties are ready. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm delighted. Um, I, I like to start with a story. And often I select whatever story I wanna tell first because it, it really gives us like an introduction um into their origin. But in this case, the best <laughs> origin story for our guy, Alistair, is starting sort of midway through his life. So know that I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna bring you up to speed on how he got into the dark arts and how he gets into the story, but 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 come with me first into the throes of Alistair Crowley's honeymoon with his wife, Rose. (gasps) He is about 28. He's already known as a sort of a dark figure. He is a member of some secret societies that are very involved in dark magic and some satan worship and some drugs but it's secret so <laughs> obviously not a lot of people know about it and it's 1904 so we're talking pre-world wars kind of thrust of the early parts of the industrial revolution he's english and he and his wife are going through they've gone to paris they've been to london they've been through cairo and one of the things <laughs> That they're doing as they go through this particular part of their honeymoon is he is wearing silks and a turban, and he is going by some exotic-seeming Indian name, mm. as is his wife Rose, and she's being carried aloft on this sort of carriage by all of these servants who run ahead of them and clear the road. It Picture sort of a Aladdin- when he enters, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Really try. They're really really flair for drama. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just basically pretending to be royals from some exotic made-up place. That sounds fun. Yeah. And bu- this is kind of buckle up. Like, this is norm. This is, this is par of the course for these <laughs> fucking weirdos. Who knows why they're doing it? Um And... While they're, they're going through this place and, and going to all of these exotic sort of spiritual places, places that Alistair feels are powerful in the spiritual realm, his wife Rose claims at one point to be hearing the voice of the god Horus. And he's speaking to her about Alistair Crowley.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Among the wild things that happened after this, is that Alistair goes, please. So <laughs> you hear about the crazy shit this fucking guy believes and does. The idea that he would look at anyone ever and be like, please, is ridiculous. But he's kind of like, listen, babe, you're not qualified to hear the voice of, mm-hmm. of any God, okay? That's kind of my role. And she's like, yeah, well, babe, I'm hearing it. And it's Horace, and he's saying, you need to buckle up because they're coming they are exactly asterisks come on who's they and alistair crowley's like hey, i'm sorry I'm like, you don't actually what okay fine you think you're hearing from this god horse what's he look like what's his favorite color <laughs> you know <laughs> because only him and his obscure fucking friends know about some of these weird ancient gods still and horse was an egyptian
1: god right yeah yeah.
0: A, 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 yeah sort of absorbed and reimagined but yes ultimately an ancient yeah and um and she's nailing his q a girl oh and she's like well he looks like this well he said that well he this or that and she's getting all of his answers correct but he's still skeptical because he's a fucking misogynist arrogant and he um takes her ultimately to this local museum and he's like why don't you go ahead and find Horace then if he's the one who's talking to you find him and from across the room long before she can like see the name on the exhibit or the exhibit number she's like that's him there he is and they go across the museum and they see this huge sculpture and fucking hey. Not only is it Horace, but the exhibit number is 666. Six, six. <gasps> mm-hmm. And our by Alistair Crowley is what we call convinced. Okay. And he's like, Oh shit, yeah, we've unlocked some powerful magic up here in Cairo. So um and he starts getting information from her then good news he starts hearing from horace directly she says what he wants you to do is go sit one hour a day you turn your back you get your pen and you're just going to be writing down everything he says and horace what do you know shows up just at the right time speaks directly to alistair crowley speaks to alistair crowley in three different voices from three different gods gives him all sorts of instructions on how to live and from this Aleister crowley writes the book of the law It is this book that he writes during this period of time that is not all of the sacred documents that Mm -hmm. that form the part of his future religion, future cult that he forms. But it's sort of the backbone of it. Um, The religion that he ultimately introduces is called the Thelema. And these things, these things that he received in this moment are the substance of the text.
1: This reminded me of like. What's his name? Joseph Smith when, like, right. I looked yeah. in my hat, yeah, and there it
0: was. Yes, exactly. And God
1: told me to write it down. Yes. And now we have a new thing. And
0: the book of the law and Thelema is a religion that Elron Hubbard briefly ascribes to about ten years prior to his founding of Scientology. Hmm. The primary thrust of the Book of the Law is do what thou wilt. That is the whole of the law that's how it starts do whatever the fuck you want that would be one way you don't have to care about anything correct or anyone do what thou wilt now there are if you're a steadfast themalite I don't know what they're called. Um, if you are a devu- devotee to Thelema, mm-hmm. then you, you would say, "Oh, of course not. There are, there are exceptions, Nuance. you know, you have to take into account the God knew it does emphasize the power of love and love is defined as, so, yeah, but, um, do what thou wilt, that is the whole of the law seems fairly straightforward to me. Yeah. Um, It is at this point I want to ask you a question. (laughs) Okay. Although he is hardly the first egomaniacal cultist, Mm -hmm. okay, Aleister Crowley is considered kind of the great-granddaddy of our modern cults and what we recognize, especially if you be watching the murder, murder documentaries, which I sure do. Mm-hmm. I, I judge because I do.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and if you've watched a lot of these cult documentaries, you know there are some situations, some events, some circumstances from childhood that many of these dark figures share. Mm-hmm. So the question is, which of these classic cult leader formative childhood situations did Aleister Crowley not experience? Okay. A, an upbringing in a strict religious conservative household. Okay. B, had an early fascination with torturing and killing animals. C, a loss of a father figure at an early age. Or D, lived in poverty and was ostracized for it. Okay. So
1: which one's... Okay. I I know he he was not poor. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure that he was actually grew up pretty wealthy, so that one's gone.
0: And the, and the question is, which one of these was he was not? Oh, that one. That's then. the one. Oh, you're exactly right. And not only was he not poor, girl. Yeah, he was very, very wealthy. Now, this conservative sort of strict upbringing with wealth, I think, is also part of it because he his the 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 Christian sect that his parents were such devotees of was called the Brethren his dad totally culty very culty and his dad was a was a head preacher within the brethren and they were no fun no music no sex shame hide but listen ultimately to me but also not catholic like Mm -hmm. decidedly like we are making our own rules in here and we can change the rules that we inherited
1: how did his parents get their money
0: um, his father's family had, I believe a printing business and his mother family, mother's side of the family had some like agricultural wealth. So it came from both sides, but they were, and his mother converted to the brethren after she married his dad. So, and she was just as kind of you know, devout, devout as he was. Um, but he also, uh, Loses his virginity to a prostitute. Well, this is so after Aleister Crowley's dad dies when he's 11. That's another kind of ticket off the Mm -hmm. list. His dad dies of tongue cancer when he's 11. (gasps) As a preacher, this, of course, had significant meaning to him. The Uh idea of cut your tongue out for speaking lies kind of deal. Uh Uh-huh and when his dad dies he's 11 years old and his mom sends him to go live with the uncle who's like well things have been a little too strict for you buddy i'm gonna loosen up the ropes a little and he gets him a prostitute so that he can lose his virginity I 11? Mm-hmm. well you know or within a year after? or two yeah jesus arguably an overcorrection uh-huh mm-hmm. but it sure wakes up our friend at the time named edward crowley he is not yet referred to as alistair he changes mm. his name and he is like well, this is much better <laughs> <laughs> having sex with prostitutes is great and so much better than not having sex with anything um, he tortures and kills a cat he hears that they have nine lives so he t- finds a cat oh. and he kills it variously nine different ways so he's until a little he scientist isn't he just such a promising <laughs> young man he rapes a maid on oh. his mother's bed oh yeah what I'm saying is uh, he he lashes out Mm -hmm. and does practically every evil thing that he can conceive of to its fullest in a somewhat untethered way from the instant his dad died. Like he's sort of
1: fired like a bottle rock all under the age of like 13.
0: Correct. Jesus. At least within a few years of, yeah. A few years of his dad's death. Um, the name, he, he's called the wickedest man in the world, but his most consistent nickname was the Beast 666. That name was given to him by his mother. <gasps> his mother, who is this super duper religious part of the brethren. This is not a cute, like, my little beast. Yeah. My little six, you no. naughty, you mischief. She was like, he is Satan. Is Satan. She's kind of this is hard to explain. She's kind of an interesting, lighthearted woman (laughs) in the sense that as he goes deeper off the deep end, she makes fun of him in some amusing ways that we'll get to. But Mm. in this sense, I felt no humor in the nickname. And she seemed certainly to see him as a dark and dangerous figure.
1: I I wonder if she felt guilty, like or like if she had sinned in some way like why would she be the one to like birth this demon child it doesn't say great things about you to be like i gave birth to the antichrist i didn't do it
0: no i gave birth to it yeah i don't know i don't know what happened um but the bottom line is there are a lot of rich damaged young men in britain who like torturing cats and having sex with the maid sure i mean like this is awful but it's also not that unusual so what
1: Turns. I think it's still not that
0: unusual. Still
1: not that unusual. Yeah. All around the world. What I'm
0: saying is, if you're a cat near a private school, get the fuck. <laughs> 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 um, so, the question I had as I was reading so, what happens now? Okay, because this is not the most original origin story we've ever heard. It's not even the most original bad guy's origin story we've ever heard. So, what turns him from kind of a nasty little fuck into. The Beast. The Beast, 666. Yeah. Well,. you'll be delighted to know that it starts in a bar Mm, my favorite place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think some of the best things start in a bar (laughs) um to bring us there we now catch up with alistair He's in his early 20s he went to cambridge and really at this point he's just kind of a nasty he's kind of a nasty asshole you know Mm -hmm. what i mean he he's getting in trouble his first lover was a female impersonator a guy who went by the name of jerome
1: pollett wow
0: And um, he climbs mountains in the Alps. Uh, He's changed his name to Alistair because it's cool and he likes the way it sounds. Alistair Crowley feels like a powerful name to him. And he is not just mountain climbing. He's like the real deal. Like up into the Alps, breaking records, making friends with like really impressive mountain climbers around the world. He um, joins the chess club and is like impossibly good at chess and beats the president of the chess club like the first year and he's writing funny sexy kinky really good poetry. Oh. I'm telling you at this point I'm like all oh, right. I'd fuck that dude. I'd fuck Alistair Crowley. And at this point in the book I'm like fun. Right? Yeah. I'm well. He's a blowhard. And I don't know about you. I went to theater school. I'm in a lot of comedy clubs. It's not hard to spot a blowhard, mm-hmm. right? And he, even though he has accomplished a few of these things, he's still in his early twenties or whatever. And he goes to a bar and he's acting like, I know everything. I know everything about alchemy. I know everything about all these mysterious things that not a lot of other people do. And as often happens, an older fella who is an expert (laughs) in what this young idiot is talking about steps in and is like, I am in fact, an uh, analytical chemist, a master in alchemy. And they start drinking and talking a little bit. And if Alistair has any benefits, it is that he does recognize his betters. And when he has something to take from you, something to learn from you, he will take it Mm -hmm. and learn it, right? And this guy's name is Julian Baker. And over the course of their conversation in this bar, he generally alludes to knowledge of a secret society that knows even more. About alchemy and science and dark magic and things that are sort of hidden from normal people. And Alistair had like kind of read about this in a couple of his books. There's like reference. It's almost like when when astronomers look out into the universe and are like, we don't know what a black hole is, we just see where there's nothing, where there should be something, and we're trying to guess what's in there. He was like reading, it and they just kept being like, There's this organization, and then there'd be this hole of like, who are they? Where are they? What do they do? Where mm-hmm. do they come from? He wakes up the next morning, and this guy, Julian Baker, is gone. He went on this awesome hike, and I was just like, no, the guy who might have the link to the thing that can get me involved, and he goes 10 miles on foot to chase this guy down to try to be like, you're the guy, tell me, I, we left our conversation. And the guy is like, you know, hi. Wow, he ran all this way. That's amazing. <laughs> um, okay, uh, his name is George Cecil Jones, i'll introduce you to him and he will make the introduction so holy shit alistair crowley gets connected to this guy right he gets connection to george cecil jones who after spending a little time with alistair gets the savvy this kid's yeah got the gift and he makes an introduction to the hermetic order of the golden dawn
1: oh okay
0: i've heard of this this rings bells okay so as then as now There's all kinds of cults, all sorts of flavors. Are you a religious cult? Are you a fraternal cult? Are you a hermetic cult?
1: I don't know what that word means. Oh, good, because here's your question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is a hermetic cult, and where does it get its name? It's multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, hermetic, as in hermetically sealed, meaning the cult Mm -hmm. is tightly closed off and members are not allowed to come and go? Is it B, hermetic as in the man, Hermes Trismegistus, an ancient figure who was attributed to early magic and especially alchemy? Or is it C, hermetic as in hermits, meaning they live far away from any kind of organized civilization?
1: Okay, first of all, I want to say I've never recognized the association between the word hermit as a person and hermetically sealed, but that's beautiful. (laughs) And I'm going to go with B. <gasps> you are
0: absolutely correct. You got oh. two of the two. Yeah. Hermetic is after the dude, Hermes, who is this classic figure, and he was a scientist, and he was in alchemy, and very serious. And if you're drawing a line, you can draw a line from like him to the Freemasons, Merlin, crusaders right if one is in in the stone yeah exactly if one is in a secret society at this particular time end of the 1800s turn of the century into the 20th century um there was a lot of especially in europe this idea of like we have an ancient history that is european Mm -hmm. you know that we can draw harness the power yes very important so for alistair at this point in his life to have exposure and actually an introduction to the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. Not only like they found it. He's fucking in it. in it. This is, the Golden Dawn is easily for Alistair, especially from me looking, you know, anyone looking at it this, from hindsight is like, this is consciously and subconsciously absolutely everything he has ever wanted. It is, I mean, he was raised in a cult by his daddy and this is a cult run by some daddies. Yes, check. Love him. The other members of the cult are big-time famous writers, W.B. Yeats, Bram Stoker. So it's, like, good for really? him. Like, yes. like, secret societies always have a very tangible <gasps> so moral. it
1: is like the Scientologist here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Oh,
0: isn't that interesting? Or Holly-weird, yeah. I should say. Fuck huh, you. <laughs> um, exactly. So there's, like, it's also a professional benefit, and he gets to be counted among his betters, yeah, which yeah. makes him very happy. And this place seriously claims to have the answers to life death and the meaning to everything, which what human would not go ahead and like to know the answers to life, death, and the meaning of it at all. But especially when you've lost your dad young and you're in your twenties and
1: you know, I feel like the twenties. Yeah. Very like, important. Now yes. I, now I could care less. Yeah. No, like, it
0: doesn't exist. Get over it. Have some more tea. So he gets into the golden dawn because he's their favorite things. He's uh, spooky and he's rich. Mm. and, um, and like he's power. smart and he's you know yeah, he's yeah. really good at chess he's very brave He's he's got all of these attributes we've already talked about but in the Golden Dawn and moving up Mm. within the hierarchy of the golden dawn is two separate things because um spoiler alert all cults have a hierarchy you either have to buy your way in or prove your loyalty you know what i mean murder your way in murder your way in what i'm saying is there's always this test of loyalty this test of fine. give us money read our books buy our thing and that's how you become more holy more special Mm -hmm. and you move up our pyramid-esque scheme of faith the golden dawn was no different but they were also new The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was only 11 years old. (laughs) But how many people were in it? Well, Well, it started very small. Um, There were only like a few and it was like three guys. And then they start because it's a... You know, it's like getting podcast listeners, you know, <laughs> where it's prides, you get special guests, you get invited into their club. Wait, wait, am I in a cult now? <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'm not going to tell you until the end. Uh, but, um, you know, it's growing. And one of the things, so it's young, but the ancient uh, texts that they have uh, predate them. So the, the Order of the Golden Dawn was essentially founded by three guys. And because it's really young, they have all of these growing pains and one of the first ones that starts is these three guys um are um uh, know each other already from freemason general kind of secret culty stuff that similar but claims to hold that thread from merlin and hermes The idea is that we have the actual documents, that there are sacred scrolls, there are books of spells, Mm. there are codes and languages and secrets that have been, fuck it, name it, saved from the library of Alexandria, were discovered in a cave that one of the knights uh, from the Crusades carried with him that holds the one and only secret recipe to get the secret knowledge. That kind of thing, right? So even though their organization is only eleven years old, they have some of these,
1: and they actually do, yes. Whether have copies of copies of them and some
0: of the originals because these are all old rich families that can trace their lines. Their great granddaddy was a Freemason, great 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 granddaddy. You know, this is who they are. Specifically. The one of these leaders, his name is Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers. You'll be hearing me call him just Mathers from here on out because it's pretty much all the way that everybody referred to him, including Alistair. And he is from a Scottish Freemason family. (laughs) I'm going to laugh because at its root, all religions are silly. You know, from John Smith looking into his hat, this is my perspective. (laughs) But this is like when you really get down to like how it started, it's hard not to giggle. So... Mathers starts the order of the golden dawn by perusing some of these documents that he and his other sort of tightly knit friends have gotten together. He's interpreted codes. He's he's read languages that are old and lost. And he thinks he's figured out a name and an address. <gasps> exactly. And the name and the address lead him to this woman named Anna Sprangle, a lady, a lady. There's women in the golden dawn. Oh, wow. That's that pre- very progressive progressive. And he reaches out to Anna Sprangle, and he's like, girl, Is it you? And she goes, it me, baby. Hmm. I am the one. I am your oracle. You did it. You cracked the code. Get a pen. I'm going to dish some serious knowledge on you, including how you're going to run your rituals, who can get into the golden dawn, what they got to do, and how they whatever. And so Mathers, all these holy documents from this holy woman who he alone knew because he found the scrolls, and he now has access to... (gasps) The secret chiefs. Yes! The secret chiefs, other than human, other than worldly what? entities with whom he can speak. Who aliens? will give him... yeah, sure, other than really, you don't know not Are they gods? Are they angels? Are they demons? Are they aliens? Are they the collective subconscious of people that you with whom you are astro? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But they are the real deal. They speak the real truth. And they're gonna lay out precisely how you and y'all's buddies are gonna do your society. And it's based on this. That over the last 11 years, they've got give or take 150
1: people. members. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So
0: Alistair then comes in and he's trying to get up into that second order, right? That's the every the plebes. Mm-hmm. That wasn't so hard. Now he wants to get in that second because once you get in the second order, you get more scrolls, yas. Okay. You get access to more rituals, hot. Mm-hmm. This is all he's ever wanted. And um, Mathers is like, I approve you. I think you could go into second order. But then all the other members of the second order go, no. They refuse to move him up. Oh, I bet he's pissed. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they refuse to move him up is because he's gay. Well, he's bisexual anyway. He has had male lovers that maybe he's just not as ashamed about. Mm
1: -hmm. He has been too
0: public about. And we can worship Satan. And we can wear silly Mm -hmm. outfits and kill
1: goats. But but you're going to be a homo? No. We're
0: Mm -hmm. really not cool with that. And he demonstrates a great deal of shame for his homosexual, uh, life, which is considering the sexual, uh, violence and the sexual perversion, uh, uh, including bestiality that he has, doesn't flinch about. He is oddly in the closet throughout his life about just being like, I'm not gay.
1: Was that though, just because he wanted to get into the second order? Is that like when you started masking it?
0: Yes. I mean, he was always sort of like, Well, Cambridge won't like, like, I don't want to get kicked out out of school. And if you're a big time Hilf listener uh and you have consumed my Oscar Wilde episode, Oscar Wilde went to jail for being gay, Alistair Crowley's freshman year of college.
1: Oh, that's a big story. Correct. So
0: there are some parallels between Oscar Wilde and Alistair Crowley. They didn't know each other, but I would honestly, if you were going to put those two together, I would say similar, similar. Alistair Crowley is a dark figure. And Oscar Wilde is a joyful, humorous character, but they were both they grew up in the same time, similar mm-hmm. backgrounds, similar punishments, sim- similar proclivities. Um, but in that sense, he was like, I don't want to go that way, even if it was noble, right? Like, no, no way. So, in the same period of time that Alistair Crow is trying to figure out, oh, how do I get up to that second order? How do I get myself into the good graces of these folks there is a bit of division among the second order of mathers they're already starting to question him and Mathers goes guess what anna sprangle isn't dead because after he heard from her and got all of her sacred Uh writings he was like guys i got i found anna Sprangle because i found her name and she gave me all this stuff and then she died but it's okay because i've got them all now he comes back and he's like she's not dead she actually came to my house last night uh-huh. and she was like, I have a bunch more wisdom to give you. And he was right there. What? She did. And was she's she like, really? Yeah. And she was like, I'm Anna sprangle girl. I ain't dead. And I have more wisdom to give you. And all I need from you is for you to give me some of the golden dawns, sacred documents as well. I'll just mm-hmm. check your work. Also Trading. some money would be great. And have you met my hot 30 years younger than me husband and they stay with him for a while. And then, uh Oh, Mathers is like, they're con artists. Fuck. Uh-huh. They're not. Real. That's not really. Which I find this story very fascinating because I thought up to this point, <clears throat> Mathers is a con man. He makes up this Anna Sprengel so that he can say, I had access to this woman who gave me all the documents and then she died. That's sort of like my boyfriend in Canada. Yeah. That's yeah. very nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but now hearing this story that he got con, but didn't even know it was a con was like, he must've been like, when girls showed up, he must've been like, fuck, Really?
1: But he, I mean, so did he lie the first time? And he didn't, because you would mm. know that it's not the same person, right? Mm.
0: And also these guys, a lot of times one of the things I found is I mean, right when you're trying to time. get, mm, right when you're trying to figure out if they're lying or con men, one of the things I found is, it fills in all the blanks when you get really confused, is it the, real, the reality of true believers, mm-hmm. right? And so... When you have a true believer in stuff that is as squishy as astro projection, automatic writing, mm-hmm. who is moving my hand? It's not me. It's this invisible figure. Mm-hmm. It is entirely possible that you were like, I, I wrote to this woman named Anna Sprengel, and then I had a dream, and I woke up, and I wrote it, and that was her telling me. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what that I mean? you really believe it. And you, you're still saying, yeah, I read, Anna Sprengel gave me the, I wrote. And she told me, but in reality, you've never met a physical woman. In reality, she never sent you any papers. And that wouldn't even discount you to the people you told it to. Right. Because they're like, like,
1: that makes it more magical.
0: Yeah. So that she showed up in the flesh to help you out in a moment that you needed her. Great.
1: Yeah. But then he was like, oh, oh,
0: shit. Oh, fuck. I'm just letting these weirdos fucking stay in my house. I gave him all this money. (laughs) Ah, fuck. And he gave him a bunch of golden dawns. (laughs) Ah, eat shit. (laughs) What this means is there's trouble. The the golden dawns got some problems Mm. and the second order that had already been like we're not sure that you're the best leader and we're not we don't actually love everybody that you're trying to move up into the second order Mm -hmm. are also like and maybe you're not even supposed to be our leader come back Alistair Crowley is like let me help hi Mathers you seem in a weakened state and I can be here to help and have I mentioned how fucking rich I am and even (laughs) though and even though the golden dawn technically you don't we don't buy and sell things to one another, let's be honest. I mean, it's yeah. never bad to have a rich, rich friend yeah. who needs something from you, right? Yeah. So Mathers and Alistair Crowley get together, and it's like, okay, yes, you're right. I am the leader of the Golden Dawn. You are, a, you know, an appropriate member of the Second Order, and so Mathers... Apart from the rest of the cult, just like poof, ordains Aleister Crowley as a full-fledged member of the Second Order without all of the artifacts, without all of the, the timelines, voting and having then, not yeah. gone through, yes, the, the procedures that he created and invented and that everybody else had gone through. Then he sends Aleister Crowley to the Golden Dawn HQ <laughs> over there in London where they have their vault That contains all of their sacred texts. The scrolls. And Alistair and his girlfriend, Elaine Simpson, break into the vault, change the locks, (gasps) take some of the documents, write Alistair Crowley's name in the holy scroll that says, I'm in the second order now, and then send a message. (laughs) I know, right? Then they send a message (laughs) out to these members of the second order saying, Hi, I am now a member of the second order, and you all. Are in trouble with yeah. Mathers. Uh-huh. You need to show up tomorrow. Tomorrow at the headquarters where I, Alistair Crowley, am going to interview each of you. And at the end of that interview, you will be giving a pledge of loyalty oh to Mathers. Gosh, it's a fucking coup. Right? But don't panic, guys. I'm going to be wearing the mask of Orisis, so you know that I'm being impartial. I'm just here to answer questions. I'm not here to cause any (laughs) trouble.
1: Just uh,
0: honest questions. And uh, so he goes away, comes back the next day with his cape and his mask and his book and all of his pencils are sharpened. Okay. And the members of the second order are there. Yates
1: is there. Mm
0: -hmm. And the landlord of the building where you just went in and changed the locks Hi. Yeah.
1: But Who, he wasn't a member of the.
0: Who's cult. also a member oh. of the golden dawn. Well, that's who's why they were also yeah. the head of the trade association, which is essentially looking at this. Like you can't break in and steal their trade secrets. Like this is an organization with secret mm-hmm. documents. And you went in and broke, like that's a very tangible law, like a legal easy thing. That has nothing to do with secret Theft societies. And, stole. Yeah. yeah. And you stole proprietary documents also as the member of the cult landlord of this building who is talking about trade association stuff you Alistair Crowley are also in debt because you used to run a bunch of you're kind of a con man anyway you owe us money oh and then the other person who's there is the constable like the cop yeah okay okay so Alistair is like um <laughs> hey guys you know what uh all right I see you. Yeah, fair. Okay. and he mm-hmm. says I'm gonna go get a lawyer <laughs> Thank you for the. La- I was like, I mean, this is this book is a laugh a minute. And he goes away and he gets a lawyer. Because, you know, it's not I am all powerful and I talk to God, but sometimes you need some litigious, you know, assistance. Sure. Yeah. He goes and gets a lawyer and he sues the Golden Dawn for because of something they took from him. He says, You took something from me. And they were like, buddy. And they countersue, of course. Mm-hmm. You took all of our shit. And you're in trouble. And he's like, Okay, fine. And he ultimately leaves London with a voluntary dismissal and paying a huge fine. And is no longer
1: in the Golden Dawn.
0: Well, that's up to Mathers, right? Which is his buddy. Which is his buddy. But what you can see, of course, is this huge crack within it that is going to be very difficult to resolve. I bring us to this point. This is one of the reasons why I laid out these stories in this particular order. It's because what I'm hoping is you can see Aleister Crowley as courageous, a risk taker certainly full of his own Mm self-confidence and has no loyalty he this is these are these are examples between how he treated his wife and how he got the whole thing that is a great man who does nothing but take yeah take take break it Break it to the ground. He wanted to be a part of this golden dawn, but he will break it apart. Violate its laws to become its lawmaker. This is a fundamental part of who he is. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the lunatics and sex magic. (gasps) Comes next. Yes.
1: (laughs) This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com
0: Hey, listeners, since you're a fan of this podcast, you clearly enjoy learning fascinating history facts, which is why we think you'll love our show. It's called
1: Midnight Facts for Insomniacs and features weekly deep dives into a variety of topics. It also features us, comedians and lifelong friends, Shane Rogers and Duncan McEwen. So whether you're nocturnal, sleep-deprived, or just a fan of laughing and learning, we'll keep you entertained with more than 130 episodes covering
0: everything from astrology to pirates to the history of personality
1: tests. Just search for Midnight Facts in
0: any podcast player to join the Midnight Masses. All right, yes, Alistair Crowley is a selfish prick. But do you know who is the opposite? Like, a generous figure who loves love, who gives love, and who really knows how to keep the history coming? My patrons. (laughs) And so many of you have jumped in the sack with us, and I deeply thank you. The latest to join us are Patience E and Rick B. Mm. Mm. Their intelligence, sex, appeal, and generosity shall have them eternally remembered in our sacred anals. (laughs) If you'd like to join them, have access to bonus material, and hear your name here next time, (laughs) go to patreon.com slash hilfpodcast and
1: follow me, follow me, follow me, follow I feel like I
0: feel like Alistair is nude. Like we've got him naked. Mm-hmm. He's restrained. Mm-hmm. But he's still into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone's still having a good time. But I wanna I want him to be uncomfortable at some point. I think ideally we're gonna start holding up some mirrors to our guy that will make this experience slightly less pleasurable for him. Mm-hmm. That's little, my hope. a
1: little uncomfortable.
0: Indeed. Um, but as we return to this unlikable fucking piece of shit piece of shit i i before i start really giving you his worst i do want to start with what i like about alistair crowling because i am nothing if not fair and balanced it's sort of like when you do left nipple it's like it's great it feels great but let's give righty Mm -hmm. just a second Mm -hmm. you know um i do like a lot of his poetry and his paintings are very interesting. I think when Alistair Carly is at his best, it is, that's just an artist. Mm-hmm. An artist can do whatever they want. An artist can be a real asshole yeah. and I will still respect he you just stuck and respect with that. your art. Yeah. yeah. is when you start being like, I'm God and I tell you what to do that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, but here are some, uh, excerpts <laughs> from some of my favorite poems.
1: Okay, good. I was hoping we'd have time.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, this one I like because it's funny and self-deprecating and God knows he should deprecate because mm-hmm. sex
1: One little more uh,
0: bury me in a quicklime grave three parts a fool and one part knave a superman but two wee butts I had no brains and I had no guts mm-hmm. my soul is a lump of stinking shit and I don't like it a little bit
1: yeah it really makes you think he actually hated himself
0: though right and then you're like well we had something in common <laughs> this one i like because he wrote a lot of uh pornography and like kinky sexy poetry and his wife rose who we've already discussed Mm -hmm. is the first of his scarlet women these are women that are like his queen so he is of course the ordained king god mouthpiece of whomever they have access to Rose is, he declares, you are my scarlet woman. You are like my right hand, my, my Virgin Mary to the baby Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. As almost as holy as I, and as critical to my religion as I, mm-hmm. what we will learn is that he has give or take 10 of those <laughs> throughout the course of his life. And most of the women who love Aleister Crowley and the majority of the women who marry him end up alcoholic, homeless prostitutes who are either committed to insane asylums or imprisoned until their death there are a number of these and the questions that this writer asks and that a number of his biographers have asked is did alistair crowley draw to him personalities already subject to trauma slash and or mental illness Mm -hmm. and or uh, abuse and or whatever or was he such a bastard Mm -hmm. that he broke the people who loved him And we will find out. Um, But this, it's so complicated. When Rose was recovering from childbirth, he wrote her a series of hysterical and filthy little poems just to cheer her up and make her laugh. Oh. And this one is, There once was a young lady named Rose Who filled not one palm but twelve poes With piss, sweat, and cum Thick slime from her bum and snot from her bloody old nose oh isn't that sweet that I mean, was gonna just, cheer her up can't you just picture holding <laughs> little <laughs> alistair jr and being like oh you minx oh <laughs> say it again <laughs> everybody <sighs> oh um, god i mentioned that he was a mountain climber and mm-hmm. And the story that I'm going to tell you next is about his most significant mountain climbs. Because I think literally, spiritually, and figuratively, Aleister Crowley as a mountain climber demonstrates his highest highs and his lowest lows in terms of what he was able to do and what a shit he was. Ooh, okay. And also physically.
1: And also physically higher to he God. He goes as high as he,
0: yeah. When Crowley was first at Cambridge and, and he was studying kind of cool and just sort of this young kind of table flipper guy, he had started d- doing mountain climbing. And at the point we're going to meet him now, he does some for real serious, still is in the record books, independently of spirituality, independently of the occult. He is listed among some of the great mountain climbers of all time. And here's your question. Okay. <laughs> Alistair Crowley was a significant mountain climber and held records for reaching heights no one could beat for decades after him. Which famous mountain did Alistair Crowley not climb? Hmm. A. K2. This is on the border of Pakistan and China. It is the second tallest mountain on Earth, next to Everest. B. Kangchenjunga a sacred mountain in Nepal and the third tallest peak in the world after K2, or C, Annapurna, the most deadly mountain in the world, also in Nepal. Which one of those three did he not climb?
1: Mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess two.
0: Kanchenjunga.
1: Yeah, uh... Uh, it
0: was Annapurna, the most deadly mountain in the world, also uh, in Nepal. Um, but you were two;
1: you had two in the bag. Two you, out of three.
0: Now you see; now you're humanized. Now people know that you're real.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: uh. And The first mountain that K2 he climbs with this guy Eckenstein, who he had met when he was young. Who they came together because they're both avid mountain climbers. Eckenstein was the lead on that climb. And they got, if if the mountain is give or take 29,000 feet, they got just over 21,000 feet before they had to turn around and go back. Pretty good. Pretty fucking great, actually. And And this was in 1904, and no one got close to summiting that peak until the 1950s. Oh, wow. Right. So they, for real... Like, did it. And there were five of them. There were a lot of problems, most of them personal, because Alistair Crowley's a cunt. such a fucking no. Now, he yeah. is able to, for himself, singularly find that meditative focus that I assume is necessary to endure something like this. Mm-hmm. The kind of thing that gets you to control your reactions, to stay steady, to stay focused. All of these things he obviously yeah, not had panic. internally, correct. And, yeah. What he had no ability to do was to be part of a team that was around you Um, so it was exclusively beating the natives who were carrying his stuff disrespecting the leader for one thing they had a limit of the weight that they could carry up the mountain and they all agreed yeah we all bring this amount and we can't bring any more and he insisted on bringing several huge books of poetry like that one is plus a magic crystal collection yeah guys i need this <laughs> he was like i need this and he refused to leave it and it wasn't like he was carrying it all because he's also beating the fucks who have to carry this stuff right jesus so yeah but they do get very high they do very well and nobody died not on that one <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: now the next big one was that second mountain in your quiz the one that you thought was the one the Kenjin, ken 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 which is a sacred mountain in nepal third tallest peak in the world after K2 and it's only like a few hundred feet less uh-huh. you know what i mean this one Eckenstein who had been his his leader in the previous expedition and his closest like mountaineering friend uh was like i'm not going with you again good right yeah he's like yeah. forget it some other guy had come and said to Alistair we're going to climb the Kanganjunga, what do you think and he was like yeah let's get Eckenstein because he was like you pulled a gun on me <laughs> like not like I'm um, drink with you again you have great LSD but like I'm not no yeah yeah absolutely not so he goes Aleister Crowley and he's the leader oh of the expedition this time yeah terrible and why these at idiots would follow him yeah. is their own deal now this is a big fat scary mountain there are tons of fights there's tons of mutinies among the guys but they're still just like oh you know climbing. they're You've doing it. Yeah. it they're going up they're doing the thing the government, presently, as you and I said, it has banned expeditions up this mountain. At this point, it is so deadly and so dangerous, and also so sacred to yeah, the Nepalese yeah. people who live there that it has been closed since two thousand. No one can bunch
1: of it. British dudes just pissing all over it.
0: Absolutely. As they're climbing, the way that they were climbing, the way that their pursuit was going was similar to what they had done with K2, which was essentially they would split the group in half for the most part. One group would carve a staircase, mm-hmm. get, get a nice level area, and then set up camp. Yeah. And then the group would come up that fairly easy pull. And the question is, what route are we going to? take we want to go left or right that play that way looks harder from here but once mm-hmm. we get around that corner it will be the smarter way and they're all trying to figure this out yeah at some point the team stops following him they're like we disagree you are telling us that after the space camp we're going to go and it's been hard and slip and whatever and we're not we think you're wrong and we're not going to go with you in fact we are done and we're going to start climbing down the mountain now they are at this point higher than anyone has ever been before Should be good enough. And right. And Alistair sees the way he wants to go and thinks he can go. But he says they turn around and there's like five. And they're like, we're going to start going back down to the base camp that is below us, the one that we left last night. And he says, don't do it. It's not a great time to go. And they do it anyway. And on the way down, four of them fall to their deaths. Three porters and one of the English mountain climbers that he had been traveling with. And when he hears their screams, he stays in his tent and has tea told you so and the next day when he climbs down he essentially climbs past not just I mean I don't know if it's their bodies but the camp frozen bodies he climbs down past the camp without saying anything without stopping to the
1: one guy who's left. Presumably.
0: Um, there were, they had a bigger group on this second. Oh,
1: okay. Um, and he just leaves, leaves everyone else behind, doesn't say mm -hmm. goodbye. And also is by himself down. the. Yeah. But he's on his way
0: going down and he feels confident, you know, that he can do the thing. But yeah. And it's like, uh, again, this is, I tell this story not only because I want to point out like he achieved record breaking to his peers, to history, substantially impressive feats of both engineering and endurance. That is a great
1: height. He could have been a hero. Right. But he's a villain. he doesn't give a fuck
0: about anybody but himself. And to highlight how much worse it is, why you can see my face start to scowl as I'm going page by page Mm -hmm. with this book, is because in addition to that, Aleister Crowley mocked the native Nepalese who were carrying his shit for being superstitious about the mountain being haunted. This guy, his quote is the imaginations got out of hand and they began, began to talk nonsense about the demons of Kankanjunga. And I'm like, what? And it just, again, goes to prove he is essentially a racist, mm-hmm. a continentalist, an egomaniac.
1: I mean, so many people from that era. Right. Like, that, and yeah. even
0: though he believes deeply, more deeply than anyone I've ever encountered, of a spiritual realm, realm of a dark and scary force, and even though he must to some extent have acknowledged that these mountains do have, to an extent, these are... He was like, these idiots. I'm like, oh, it's haunted. It's like, oh, yeah. God, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um. Now, to his credit, again, the teams that do successfully summit Kankanjunga 50 years later took the route he was trying to take. Oh. And there's a lot of ways off a mountain. Mm-hmm.
1: And they were like,
0: and they don't like Aleister Crowley. Mountaineers have been trying to hide from him forever. He was yeah. taking off all sorts of lists. They're like, ah, this fucking psycho abuser, drug addict. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But then they like him primarily. Yeah, it was telling totally like he was right. Like, he totally had the right idea. And if he would have kept going, who knows what would have happened. But, yeah, Yeah. that was the way we went, because it was the best way to go. Mm. Are you ready for a really disgusting, kinky story? Yeah. God. I don't... There's a lot of them. If you'd like to digest... A significant amount of torture porn mm. and bestiality and borderline cannibalism mm. and deep abuse of people good news wow have you come to the right place <laughs> i don't want to go through all of that because yeah. it's so bad but um i can't <laughs> tell the no story of without giving you some idea of the depth of depravity involved with these rituals why you know everything i've told you so far is kind of a cunt Mm -hmm. he's not the wickedest man in the world yeah yeah okay so (sighs) mom i'll meet you go i don't know scroll ahead like five minutes you're probably not gonna like this (laughs) it comes to sex magic sex magic is a significant part of Alistair Crowley's life. He lowercase italics, sex magic. It's how he calls it in his diary. It's how he discusses it with people around him a little sex magic. And he spells magic often with a K because it's a different magic. His magic mm. is different than yeah. you know, it's like when you spell Shelley with an I. You're not just Shelley. Yeah, Shelly. So magic.
1: blood sugar sex is a okay we don't know if it's related to the red hot chili peppers or not but anyway hard to say probably rock and roll
0: um but yeah when he talks about sex magic he is of course talking about intercourse sex but he's also talking about the the function and use of semen and menstrual blood these are all pivotal see what i mean Uh, here we go buckle up we're getting there it's getting gross it gets more violent and it gets more intense and it gets more uh shocking the older he gets but it's always pretty much present in the magic. I that mean, he that's is doing.
1: like all evil people, right? They get like Seems to it's be the like case. they need to get higher and higher, yeah. and yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think they are chill out unless they're medicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Alistair Crowley has hundreds of lovers, thousands, arguably. They are across the gender spectrum. Um, he has scores of sex prostitutes. Uh, most of the people are married, men, women, old, young, um, and. At times, um, he has these scarlet women, as I've discussed. And mm-hmm. as I also discussed, they, to a person, end up broken and institutionalized. This, what I'm about to tell you, might be why. Mm-hmm. In one documented act of sex magic, in which Aleister Crowley was hoping to unlock a very significant power source for himself, as well as witnessing the great sort of uh, summation of various powerful entities. He gathers the necessary, and this would be the kind of stuff that would have been in those sacred scrolls. Why you got to break into the vault and get the good stuff. Cause mm-hmm. you get the recipe for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you need a goat to have sex with his wife.
1: The scarlet The scarlet fucks the wife. Sure, correct. Okay. So we
0: need the goat to fuck His wife. Lots of people watching because it's going to be a very special room. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when the goat climaxes, you slit its throat, and the blood that mixes with its semen and her vaginal secretions and all of this is this very, very potent, powerful thing that -hmm. you can use in various ways. Well, I know this isn't funny. However, and I know people fuck goats. i like, you fuck the goat. I feel like it's a lot to ask a goat to fuck you. I think yeah. it's a lot to ask. And this didn't work. It out. seems tricky. And the first thing was, yeah, like, a. I'm gonna say the goat wasn't into his wife, but there's a lot of pressure, a lot of people watching. What's with the knife? The idea that any, <laughs> the idea that any creature is like, I'm in. Let's fuck, yeah. And then is gonna come. Like, yeah. I'm not again disparage your wife, but who knows what goats are into?
1: Yeah. The i not think it's humans kind
0: of but... fucks her but doesn't come anyway it's not working out mm-hmm. the goat ain't doing the thing so alistair just slits its throat anyway yeah and everybody plays in the blood and then has an orgy wraps it
1: up there no, wasn't there's a, a goat I blood mean, orgy i, I mean know. we can assume Yeah. has yeah
0: the bottom line is this I, is sure what i all... mean this is what i mean yeah taken perfectly if you could just take the ancient stroll and get the goat and the goat comes and you do the blood and the steam that's the best case (laughs) scenario (laughs) and what i'm saying is is that it didn't even do that and this is again indicative of alistair crowley even if you want to like oh a goat blood yes if a goat comes in your wife yes i agree that is very very serious he didn't even do it no he couldn't do it he didn't do
1: it do you think he just wanted to see that yeah i do
0: Why I hate Aleister Crowley isn't just because he's a bad guy. It's because even by his own standards, he was a failure and a half-assed fucking liar about it. Mm -hmm. Here are some more examples I put under the category of not quite God, a.k.a. never meet your heroes. (laughs) 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 And it is one. There's this poor bastard named Victor Newberg. Very rich guy who is devoted to Aleister Crowley, believes deeply in his divinity, believes deeply in his access to the divine and the paranormal, who gives him all of his money, which is great because Aleister, for all the money he had, and he inherited like three fortunes, he squanders it, girl. He don't work. Yeah. All they ever made money on was publishing, occasionally selling artwork. But mostly he's realized at this point in his life now, it's about getting money from people who believe in him. Uh-huh. And he can, and he's a con, and it's give me your devotion. Again, if you yeah, got a toe over Scientology, this all makes sense. You prove your devotion by just giving me all of your earthly belongings. And Victor Newberg is like, done, girl, take it. Can't wait. Also, would you be so kind as to walk me on a leash through India?
1: Oh, that was his thing. Correct. Okay. And Alistair Crowley
0: said, I'd be glad to.
1: Sounds fun <laughs> as fuck.
0: Right. And he does. So Victor Newberg, abused, sodomized, beaten, starved, loves it. Oh, wow. His greatest disciple has walked. Please, yes, sir, may I have another um, stuff. So. And ultimately, this guy, this devotee, leaves Aleister Crowley because he finds out that Aleister has simultaneously been sending ransom notes to his mother asking for more money. <gasps>
1: Wow, I'm kind of surprised someone like that would actually be like, wait a minute, you can't do that to my mom. Well, I think it was something like what I'm talking about, which is that
0: crack of daylight between what God, mm-hmm. what person with a divine link to the almighty is lying and extorting money? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's that it's the shred of doubt. Mm-hmm. OK, he establishes this religion. Thelema, which we've talked about, and this is in the early 1920s, and, and in it he, he's built this abbey of Thelema, which is in Sicily, and this place resembles the most what will come later in the century of like the Manson Commune, the uh, Scientology abusive areas, which is, uh, we, everything goes here. So we're isolated, mm-hmm. the kids live with us, everyone can have sex with whoever they want,
1: Including the kids. Including the kids.
0: Kids see all of this stuff tons of drugs, tons of psychedelic drugs. Nothing's clean. There's not like a cleaning service coming through here because he's his money. And he's also developed a taste for heroin. He was for a while just doing sort of mind expanding laudanum, opium, drugs that were a part of his rituals. And now we're just into straight cocaine, heroin. Still doing all of his sex magic. A lot of like, oh, yes, I hang upside down from my ankles in the closet while you hit her. It's the nasty ass stuff is happening in this Abbey of Sicily. And at one point, a married couple comes to the Abbey of Thelema in Sicily because, again, word is spreading. We've heard. heard. We've heard. We're in. It's fun. We love it. Mm. You're God. Can't wait. And the husband's super into it. And the wife is like, oh. Less into of it, of course, but participating. And after a while, her husband gets very, very sick and dies. She thinks it's because he drank the blood of a cat. Could have been. Could be. <laughs> Could be because he was starved and beaten, or he had to drink from this ugly, uh, this like poisonous stream that oh, ran outside. Terrible just, STD. Who knows? Who knows? But she goes back to London, and dishes.
1: Oh, they are
0: doing some
1: creepy shit Nasty out there illegal shit.
0: I wonder why he let her leave that seems almost like Well, this mm. is why in the future they don't right uh-huh. let's look at our modern day cults it is one of the reasons why y'all don't leave yeah right because in addition unless to- you're going to heaven Oh you can do that anytime you like. <laughs> um, and but there's but there's a hidden benefit to Alistair because yeah, he gets kicked, he gets kicked out of Sicily. The Italians are like, Yuck!
1: yeah, perverts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he has to leave, but also, this wonderfully modern thing, again, I told you, you know, if you can understand Aleister Crowley, you will understand the 20th and the 21st century a lot better. Mm. Because this a girl comes in, she's like, my husband's dead, the blood of cats, kids are watching us fuck, goats, it's crazy. Swage and water. the media was like, wait, hold on, we have to get a pen. Hang on, you don't move muscle. <laughs> I, we are, this is great. And so the media starts to have competing stories about who can... Uh, you know, sex at uh, drug fiends. Oh, like the National Enquirer. Fiends. Yeah, only yeah. But this it's, is the only. Yeah. We don't have tablet. This is it's all just regular. real. Yeah. But they're in their competition to expose and publish stories that are selling like hotcakes of this crazy, sexy, druggy, awesome thing that's going out there in the middle of the woods. Is they are of course simultaneously lifting alistair crowley up Mm -hmm. they are helping to build his myth they are helping to draw people in he starts selling more books because he's been publishing books of poetry for the last 20 years people like fuck this guy now they're going out to get his book and it and it ends up being ultimately great even if he loses place this abbey of thelema is still out there, girl. Mm. And it is this crazy, dilapidated, like, rotten walls and plants. You can see the paint oh. on the walls. The, the den of nightmares is in there. And hikers and people who care will go out there every now and again and take pictures or fuck so each other, give each other a hand or whatever they're into. a goat, But you can go on YouTube. You can see it. It's gross. It's weird. There's a little um, division. People may at me about his work during the two world wars. Um, he took credit for world war. (laughs) He was thought he was so powerful. He was the most powerful magician. He can summon demons. He can pull in monsters of the new age. He could affect the magnetic power of the entire globe. And so when world war one started, he literally wrote a letter to the British Navy and was like, sorry about that. And they were like, what's that? And he's like, I started world war one. My bad. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. And then during world war, and he was a spy. He was always for the bad guys. And he, Took credit, tried to take credit for Hitler, basically saying, and it, and there are some connections that are valid. Like, th-
1: because we live in I mean, the Hitler era, was into the occult and totally, shit, right? Totally,
0: totally, totally. And this is where uh, we start to bring into why Aleister Crowley's disgustingly long fingernails are still clinging onto our modern age. Because we live, of course, the internet did nothing but good things for Aleister Crowley. We also love conspiracy theories.
1: Woo! Mm, yeah. love,
0: you know, Satanism, always very attractive. And the reasons and ways he creeps in are often through these stories, which are sort of have like one part fact Mm -hmm. and ten part myth.
1: A little thread of truth, but... Yeah.
0: So what I want to try to do now is kind of walk through the things that bring it into our modern times. Um, So people say Aleister Crowley is why we had Hitler in World War II. The truth of that is Thelema existed, his book of the law which seems very much yeah. like the superman do what thou wilt the the meek are useless to us cut them out weed them out mm-hmm. eugenics all this kind of stuff uh-huh. and he knew a gal who knew hitler who loved the and he said don't you think you should go ahead and give the fuhrer some of my pages we're looking for a new religion we're looking for a new uh, eon i'm your guy how about me and he claims, and people who say, yep, and then she did, and then Hitler basically d- did what he did because he was inspired by the writings of Aleister Crowley. In reality, yes, those things all existed at the same time. The gal that he gave the thing to was like, no, no, no. I never actually gave that to Hitler. And Hitler wrote Mein Kampf in jail. Mein Kampf includes the vast majority of his psychological layout. that, would, And that was written long before he would have had any access to Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. But there's just enough truth for anyone including the internet who wants to believe it to
1: like we know who this lady was I and she it. knew both of these men
0: correct now yeah. i mean i think it's just more of a great minds think alike <laughs> deal than, than like like i was the only one who ever thought what if i just killed everybody i didn't like Ooh, i'm so original yeah, good for you um he uh, but basically, he was trying to sell it. He was basically like, it would do great things for my book sales, and Thelema would really mm-hmm. thrive mm-hmm. if the Third Reich... He would Just adopt it. ...would take my branding. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ooh. There are many conspiracy theories that Aleister Crowley has a link to the American presidency. Buckle up. I told you about these weird-ass, sexy orgy things. Mm-hmm. In one of Aleister Crowley's very powerful sex magic events... It was vital that all of the people gathered at his salon get him to the point of complete sexual exhaustion. Okay. Which sounds great. I I can't disagree with Alistair Connison. Everybody come over and just fuck me until I can't stand it anymore. Isn't the worst party I've ever heard of. But the idea is that everybody fucks. Everybody fucks me until I am practically unconscious because I couldn't get fucked in any more holes. No more holes. No more cum. No more everything is completely exhausted. Right. The theory is that at this sexual exhaustion, sex magic moment, one of the attendees was a young, fun American socialite named Pauline Pierce, that she was there. The theory then goes on that she got pregnant. Sure. Could it have been Alistair Crowley's baby? Because she does have a baby about 10 months later, and that baby is Barbara Pierce, Who marries George H.W. Bush, Mm. becoming Barbara Bush, meaning the line is that Aleister Crowley is the father of Barbara Bush, therefore (gasps) Aleister Crowley's genetic line was the wife of one American president and the mother of another American president. And that it was Aleister Crowley's dark magic and that this ritual worked because his semen was actually able to infest the genetic line of an American president.
1: Oh, and by the way, guys, that was my goal. Like, I mean, that seems like something you would say later, right? Exactly. you be like, now, I that. Now, the to people who are like,
0: that's a fascinating story. Ooh, whoa. Bullshit. First of all, we don't even know if Pauline Pierce was there. That can't be confirmed. Then that she fucked him. Then he got her pregnant. Maybe. And then in like the early aughts, some guy was like, oh my god, I totally made that up as an April Fool's joke in the early days of the internet, and I did it to see, just to see, can you spread a rumor on the internet? On the internet? I wonder if you just said something completely bad shit fucking nuts, if anyone might believe it. And it was like, oh
1: buddy. Oh, everybody does. <laughs> Good
0: news. Aleister Crowley finally fucking dies, and let me tell you what, I look at book is Hyla. it's big and I have honestly I didn't cover this weird guy Alan Bennett who he like follows to uh, Tibet and becomes briefly a Buddhist monk. He's like super into yoga and he gets a bunch of people to do his yoga shit. I haven't, I mean, there he goes, and every time I turn the page, I was like, if this fucking guy isn't dead in two years, when does he fucking die? I go on Wikipedia and be like, all right, he doesn't have a lot of years left and he'd do five more things and and just do eight more terrible lives and I'd be like, god damn, when are we gonna kill this fucking guy? Well, he finally oh, he finally dies in 1947. He is broke. He's been broke for decades. He has been trying like hell to sell his books, to sell his poetry, to sell his paintings, to get more devotees, to give him more money, or maybe just let him live at their house for me. Um, yeah. Put a tent in your yard. He's um he's joined up with some other cults. It started. <laughs> there was this cult called the OTO short for a latin phrase and they are still very active and they were generally born hmm. in britain and there was like this little fissure between them at first that was like you stole our documents and no you stole and they both kind of have this loose claim to the golden dawn but then right before it like came to blows they were like i think that we're both hearing from the same god brother join with me brother and so they became kind of one and alistair crowley Sort of became a member of the OTO. They, they jerked each other off in the sense that it was like, I'll give you the high order of Magus Promotus in my, and then you will give me the order of Mega Promotus of your, and then we together will form the chamber that now dictates what happens in both. You know, they make and it, we'll rule
1: the world up. and yeah. Yeah.
0: make it up. But this will sell things, we'll, my books will become part of your assets. And all of this is also just like the lawsuits. When he was outside yeah. the Golden Dawn, there's this, boy, the material world is never that far away in the sense that he signs over ownership of some of his properties to the OTO so that they're technically liable. I mean, there's lots of
1: Yeah, wheeling and dealing. World. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He gets sued all the time because somebody died at his thing. Part of his commands, you got to cut yourself every time you say the word I, every time you speak as if you are an individual, you have to cut yourself to stop. I mean, Whoa, that's major
1: culty. Very. Wow. Sister, it
0: doesn't come out of nowhere, right? So he loses some serious lawsuit, but he's already bankrupt. Nobody can take any more money from him because he's just this old heroin addict with bumbling, whatever. And this woman named Deidre McClellan, who has a couple of illegitimate kids, walks up to him after his court appearance and says, God, Alistair Crowley, I love you, and they did you wrong, and I'd like to have your baby. And he says, okie doke. And she gets pregnant with his baby, and then guess what? Hmm. She's a really good woman who takes care of him until he dies. Oh, Isn't that the what? worst? She's like really. She like helps him clean up. He kind of cleans up. It's almost like the end of Walk the Line. <laughs> it's,
1: like,
0: it's like she helps him kind of kick heroin ish. You know, he doesn't get totally clean, but like he cleans up. <clears throat> he has kind of this nice, peaceful life. She has his kid, and she just treats him well until he dies in his bed at seventy-two. Seventy-two. And his last words are. <laughs> his last words were. I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I want to do, I'll leave you with a story. Oh, God, this story. I thought I would be done there. I kind of, oh, that'd be great. And then I'll tell her about the rock and roll legacy of Aleister Crowley. Boom. And then I stumbled upon the story of Jack Parsons. We're near the end of Aleister Crowley's life, World War II, and the O.T.O., combined with Alistair Crowley's Thelema, has a lodge, a branch, in Pasadena, California. Oh, baby, right outside. Right our neighborhood. street. And other things that are big, of course, in that part of Pasadena are the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and a lot of important experimentation on nuclear weapons and jet propulsion. Um, and Alistair Crowley's getting wind that there's this problem within this new lodge because the, the founder... Wilfred Talbot Smith is being accused of wait for it, sexual abuse. No. Yes, of his members in the lodge, women who were new to the lodge. He'd say, "Now you got it. You're my sex slave. Can you believe yep. it?" Yeah. And what's wilder is that Aleister Crowley was like, "How dare you?" He came down there to crack skulls. Very loud. Some people tell you there's pages on the internet that will describe Aleister Crowley as a feminist. Mm-hmm. Their only argument is that everybody he fucked seemed to be into it, mm. um, which is not the most unfair thing I've ever heard. I still wouldn't call him a feminist, no. but he did tend to be like, you're taking advantage of these people. <laughs> I don't know. Pot, I mean, you're, you're looking know, awfully black today. Very, <laughs> like very arbitrary, yeah. Um, but there's a problem. So Alistair Crowley comes down there, and he's like, oh, you're fucking wives, and you're making memories. And the big problem, actually, isn't just that it's sex abuse. It's that this guy is having sex with the wife of a guy who is works at this Jet Propulsion Laboratory, i.e., a good mm. get for your cult. Like, don't piss this guy off, mm-hmm. right? We Our cult gets, you got your Tom Cruise. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? If we lose Tom Cruise, <laughs> everyone's just gonna think we're a bunch of weirdos, you know? And this guy's great, and he is kind of an un, a crazy genius, this Jack Parsons. He has no degree, he's never went to engineering school, and he is working deeply in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and all these rocket research firms secretly, because he's just like a fucking genius he's just got it right and all of the like mega engineers are like coming to him for answers and he's into this cult and he believes in the lemon yes yes, yes 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 how
1: old is he at this
0: um mid-20s okay. alistair or jack
1: parsons? jack parsons jack
0: parsons is in his like mid-20s early 30s and he's also
1: dangerous time to be a man deep,
0: isn't it yeah <laughs> um so he then Alistair Carley comes in, kicks out the bad leader and doesn't just like clear the deck but is like you Jack Parsons you should be the leader of this lodge smart and he's like okay great and one of the things that Jack Parsons believes in is actually this old school shit that Mary Shelley Percy Shelley and a lot of like weird figures that these the- Thelema cultists love believe in which is strict non-monogamy mm. like it is really important actually that you fuck as many people as possible because that's what keeps us both going And Jack Parsons is like, I want you, wife, to have sex with L. Ron Hubbard, who is a member of the same lodge here in Pasadena and also in the Navy, a military guy at the time. Mm. So L. Ron Hubbard starts having sex with Jack Parsons' wife, as instructed, and then Jack Parsons' wife, Jack Parsons, and L. Ron Hubbard, in addition to being spiritual and fucking and all in the same lodge, also come up with some weird business thing where they're making money on yachts. What? (laughs) They're, like, buying yachts and selling yachts for a profit. Huh. Huh. Okay, this is all under this, <laughs> right, weird umbrella. And then, all of a sudden, Alistair Crowley starts getting messages that here's what they're going to do. Uh, through this text and ancient scrolls, Jack Parsons is trying to make a moon child. And a moon child has to do with coming onto a disc and then and then communicating with an elemental and trying to bring into physical manifestation a creature that can hold the sperm that you've put on the disc i don't i don't understand it Mm -mm. i mean he was a genius though so he was a genius we're obviously not that smart and alistair's like they're trying to make a moon child not on my watch (laughs) (laughs) and so while he's coming down to crack skulls on that Elron Hubbard runs off with Jack Parsons' wife and all of his life savings. <gasps> it is a financial theft. They just take off. Mm-hmm. And Jack Parsons leaves the OTO, leaves the cult, stops pursuing Elron and his wife. And one day, while he's working in his laboratory.
1: So he stays working for... Yeah, he kind of,
0: I mean, it was all secret. So it's not like, you know, the idea is that you always, these cult leaders, they always lead a double life. A normal, Mm -hmm. often professional life. And then this kooky harness mask stuff (laughs) that they're doing at home. And on June 20th, 1952, Jack Parsons is working in his garage, as he does. And he drops a vial of fulminite mercury. And he blows his ass up. (gasps) Oh! Is himself and his whole lab. And when his mom hears about it, she commits suicide.
1: Oh, my God.
0: hmm Which begs the question, is the universe actually so tightly knit that if you fuck with this magic, you are cursed?
1: I mean, I do kind of think that certain people... Maybe Aleister Crowley is one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: My thing, as I said at the beginning, my issue is Aleister Crowley is undoubtedly great. Smart, strong, rich, influential. Brave. Brave. Sure. And these are words that taken in a vacuum are kind. Um, Complimentary. Compliments, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is not good. And I know that that's a really interpretable word, but greatness without goodness to me as a historian is so useless and so unimpressive. There are more great people in human existence than I think that we sometimes recognize. Greatness actually isn't that hard, especially if you are very, very rich Mm -hmm. and a white male in a place and time of privilege to be great is actually no big deal. To be powerful, to run a company, to have the ability to, to change the lives of hundreds of people based on a choice you make, that actually is super pedestrian, man. It's an aspiration for a lot of us as individuals, but in the course of human history, there's lots of greats. Greats don't make the pages of history. It's the good or the bad of your greatness Mm -hmm. that gets your name written down. You know? And when I look at figures like Oscar Wilde, who, when he was arrested for being gay, said consciously and wrote consciously, this is an unjust law of which I am guilty And by serving my time, I will show you how unjust in part this law is. I will experience what this is. I will write poetry. It's about truth. It's about service. It's about honesty. It's about handling a situation in a way that demonstrates the fullness of your trust and the rightness of the universe, right? When you encounter a character like Aleister Crowley, who wants to take your money and take your body, give me power, give me fame. I've read this 500 fucking pages. He gives nothing to anyone ever. Yeah. He shares nothing with anyone ever.
1: And maybe that's what people mean when they say, like, you're fucking with the magic. But no, you just, it's that person is so bad. Mm -hmm. They're going to infect and ruin everyone around them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, L. Ron Hubbard, of course, writes Dianetics in the 1950s.
1: My grandma had a copy of that book when I was a kid in yeah. the 80s. Oh,
0: I remember seeing him on a lot of bookshelves mm-hmm. in my life. Um, one set of hands that Dianetics landed in was a young Charles Manson. Oh. Yeah. While he, was, um, while he was in jail on McNeil Island, he got real into sci-fi, and he read Dianetics. Now, he didn't seem to be into it.
1: <laughs> Bad um, review. You know, right. Two stars.
0: But he does emerge from that jail in 1967, no longer just a thief but a charismatic street preacher Mm -hmm. um my dear friend hyla goddamn! wow i can now put this book a fucking way i don't have to watch any more gross documentaries about this (laughs) creepy loser every murder murder documentary and every culty culty documentary that i watch from here on out i'll be able to be like took that for the book of the law plagiarized plagiarized Mm -hmm. secondhand occultists over here so at least knowing you know the origin of the great granddaddy gives you some ammunition (laughs) (laughs) I'm so grateful that you came I'm so grateful that you assigned me this guy um now let's go get them them nipple clamps huh (laughs) she's so wonderful and you can find her her cookbooks her cooking shows including the one that i was featured in from a few years back uh in our show notes we make beer cheese soup guys right it's so good like what whiskey can't fix for you that one probably can now we'll see you here for our next new episode the thrilling gasp inducing adventure tale of the mutiny on the bounty I'm so excited. I'm joined by author and historian Scott Edwin Williams as we follow the notorious Captain Bly and mutineer Christian Fletcher on the high seas and beyond. Until then, our theme song was composed and performed by Kat Perkins. A reminder that you can find my sources, links to the books, documentaries, and articles I reference in the summary of this episode or by emailing us. Hilfpodcast at gmail.com or messaging us on social media at Hilf Podcast. This has been Hilf, History I'd Like to Fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, reminding you that history is a party and everybody's coming. <laughs>